Thank you, Teresa. It's so good to see you. That was a fun weekend in uh, in the Cayman Islands. That, that was a power-packed condo. You know, I, I want to get going here. I, um, you know, uh, Marty did such a good job. He told at least one of the two biggest lies an AA speaker will tell you. Uh, the first one is, uh, I'll be brief. And the second one is, I'll close with this. You know, <laughs> but I got 35 minutes. So like King Henry said to his fifth wife, I won't keep you long, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> I want to thank you. I'm Charlie Parker. I'm very grateful recovered alcoholic. My sobriety date is March 22nd of 1985. A home group's the primary purpose group in Austin, Texas. My sponsor is Myers and, uh, and we're going to get to hear from his twin brother. And I just, I want to thank Ollie and thank Ollie for thanking everybody because I, I just want to acknowledge everybody that had anything to do with putting this thing on, you know. And, but you know, um, what was, I've got 35 minutes to try to cover this topic, but I mean, it's really not that critical because the lady after me, she won't mind if I run over and up that, you know. Uh, <laughs> that's a joke. Katie's coming after me, and we've been watching the clock on each other for a long time, you know. But, I, you know, as I started kind of considering the direction of the talk, because at one point this was going to lean towards Mark Houston, and then we went to the big book, and I am, am leaning more towards talking about my experience around Mark Houston and what happened with all that. And, and I, I'm going, I'm going, I don't think Mark would have approved of it. You know, to tell you the truth, you know, if Mark was here and he said, hey, can we talk about you? He would have said, no, let's don't do that. And it's kind of like hugging my dad when I got home from treatment. It's like he wasn't really down with it. But I was like, Dad, you're just going to have to stand there and take it like a man. I'm going to hug you, you know. And, you know, I want to get into my story because, you know, what happened for me was that around 17 years of sobriety, my experience was a lot like what Marty talked about. A lot of things happened. I've given a lot of talks about what happened during this period between seven and 17 years. But somewhere around 17 years, I was at a real bottom, you know, and I'd been in a plane crash and, and I'd seen a lot of things differently in my life and, and near-death experience. And about that time, an old buddy of mine, Tom Pick, had I 12-stepped him into treatment down in, in Hunt, Texas. And Tom had a little bitty pill problem. I mean, he was taking 125 Vicodin a day. And uh, apparently that's at least one too many. But, you know, um, we, he, he went to treatment down there. And when he was down there, he met one of our speakers who's going to be coming up at the end of this wonderful afternoon. We got one here. And Chris told him a lot about the first step and about AA and about getting fired up. And then when he went back to Dallas, he, he went to the primary purpose group there. And, and through all that, I met Myers. And through Myers, I met Chris. And, and about all that, about that time, um, one of the guys in my group, he called me one day and he goes, Charlie, you know, there, I heard about a workshop in Dallas and uh, um, a big book study. And I said, well, let me see what I can find out. I, I live in Austin, Texas, but I come from Dallas, 200 miles north of us. So I call some people up there and this guy sends me a flyer for this workshop. And it says, big book weekend with Mark H and this other guy. And I come to Katie and I goes, we were really catching fire with the program at this time. Tom and I were having conversations different from than I've been having for a long time. And we're starting to listen to Chris and we're listening to other people and, and Myers and 
Bob D and Bob B and some of my boys and and Chris Schroeder, who was, I see was on here. You know, I just love Chris. And and, uh, and you know, uh, I went to Katie and I go, you know, Katie, I don't think this is the flyer, the workshop he was looking for, but I think this with this Mark guy, I think he sponsors Chris, and I really like Chris. I, I bet we'd like Mark. And with about that much thought, Charlie and Katie hop in a car and drive 230 miles to go to this workshop. Now, this is a guy that a couple of years before that, with 15 years of sobriety, probably wouldn't have gone across town for a big book meeting, much less this was this was three days with Mark Houston, this guy, Mark H. And we walk up, and I love the way Marty said he looked like the Marble Man. He was big, manly presence. And uh, I should warn you, I'm a big guy. I shoot shotguns competitively, I ride Harleys, all that stuff. I'm liable to cry like a little girl in a pink dress up here at any minute, you know. So, but when I look back on the power of God moving in my life, it, it makes me emotional. And, you know, I'm, we spent three days in this workshop. And I mean, oh my God, at one point, Katie and I, now, now I'm a front pew sitter. I don't, I don't go in and get a seat in the back. I like to sit right up front. And it's been in, in, in the, so Katie and I are right up on the front row. We're like six or eight feet from the speakers. And at one point, Mark is talking and he's reading, he's flipping pages and he's reading stuff. And I lean over to Katie and I go, my God, what book is he reading from? And and I swear to God, Katie goes, I, I think it's the big book. You know, like, come on. You know, I mean, because I've, I've been around AA for a minute. My home group was a big book study group. I like what Marty said, where we'd read a chapter and talk about what our experience was with it and that sort of thing. But I mean, Mark was coming with stuff that I had, had never heard. And if you know Mark's story, I mean, it's funny. I mean, Mark hit the wall at nine years of sobriety. And, and wound up taking things to a new level. And I am most drawn, you know, to people, if somebody's never had a fight with their wife or never had any problems in sobriety, I don't know that I can relate to that real well. I mean, I'm most drawn to the guys that work a solid program because they have to, you know? I mean, and, and I'm drawn to that energy and I can feel it. You know, Marty, my biggest compliment that I can give somebody you now is when I go, Oh, I'd have drank with that guy. You know, I mean, I can tell you from, uh, I can feel Marty from across the room, you know, but I mean, um, we, we come in there and, 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 and most of us, it's funny, most of us have listened to a bunch of Mark Houston, know the Mark Houston arrival package is, yeah, I had brain damage, kidney damage, liver damage, everything I own fit into a duffel bag. You know, and I heard him say that so many times, but I mean, we sit in this weekend and I, I, I swear y'all, I meditated more in that weekend than I had in the previous five or 10 years of sobriety where we, we were doing formal meditation. And I, I mean, and, and the stuff he was talking about, and I mean, Mark said later, he said, I look like uh, the dog from the, I know the guy from the Bose commercial. Did, did anybody remember that? So the guy sitting in front of his TV and his, his ties back like this. And it's just like, whoa, you know, I mean, that's the way I felt after that weekend. I come back to Austin and I was jelly brain. I mean, I, I went to work and my manager who's worked for me for 30 years, he goes, man, you are out of it. I was like, I gotta go home, man. I mean, my, my head was scrambled 
with the new information. You know, and, and on page 100, it says, when we look back, we'll see that the things that came to us when we placed ourselves in God's hands were better than anything we could have planned. I'd read that a bunch of times before I saw the piece that said, when we look back, because I can't always see God working in my life when it's happening. But I, when I look back on these moments and I look at that Charlie and Katie were in trouble and we were trying to come out of it. Mark Houston had been silent for three years. I listened to those CDs later and he goes, I haven't done anything like this for three years. It nearly knocked me down because I'm thinking, good God. Look at God move. He picks Charlie and Katie up, plucks them up, puts them over here, brings Mark out of a three-year silence, puts us all together. And the ripple effect from that weekend, I can't even tell you about. You know, I mean, and so, I mean, because Mark, I hear people talking about big book thumpers, technicians. Uh, I'm not offended by any of those terms. But the one thing I would say, it marked in a lot of, it was a big book step worker. And that, and, and so are most of my heroes, you know, big book step worker, you know, not just theory, you know, but actually continuously working this untreated alcoholism package uh, is only treated by continuously working the steps as they're laid out in this book. And, you know, I'm glad you're recording this thing. One of the biggest things, Shoutouts I like to give is to the tapers because I grow I grew so much from the recorded message. And I was fired up about this stuff as I still am. But I've been driving around listening to it all the time. And I can't even tell you how many times when I would talk about market conferences, people would come up to me and go, Mark Houston changed my life. And I never even met him. All I ever did was listen to him on CD. You know, and, and I hear it all the time. You know, it was because it was a different style of speaking. The stuff he was talking about wasn't just get up and talk about the, the talks I grew up in AA with were, you know, 40, 45 minutes on how I got to AA, how I hit bottom, a, 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 a quick pass through the steps, maybe, and then a heartwarming amends story, and then, um, Enjoy the rest of the conference, you know, and and and, uh, and some of those you know, not everybody's trying to do what what I do or what some of us do. I love those talks and everything, you know what I mean. But there's some talks where I go, wow, you know, I got a warm feeling out of that for a minute, but I don't know what to do now. I mean, I, I don't, I, I'm still kind of in trouble, you know. And and so this was instructional stuff and and wrapping, you know, our story around the the work, you know, and using our story to illustrate step one and that sort of thing. And then, you know, the funny thing is, like Marty alluded to, not everybody's trying to hear it, you know? I mean, sometimes, you know, I, I gotta be careful. One time Katie and I were at a conference and, and everybody was frowning, you know, and Katie was up there speaking. <laughs> I said, you know, Katie, turns out not everybody comes to the Saturday night banquet to have their face rubbed in untreated alcoholism and, and what they're not doing, you know? And uh, and, and I, I gotta be careful because I, I got a bad habit of judging people really harshly for not knowing something that I learned about 30 minutes ago. Am, am, am I in the right room? You know, where it's like, you know, 10 minutes on the other side of an awakening, I'm like, how can you not know this? How can you sit in our meeting and 
run that kind of BS, you know. I mean, when I did it, you know, for 17 years, you know, and, and thank God for tolerance. But, but you know, I mean, um, well, this is rocking along and we're, we're working the steps and we're sponsoring guys and stuff like that. And about come 2006, Mark Houston ups and moves to Austin, you know, and he'd been in Dallas. I've been working and, and he says, and he tried like crazy to open a treatment center in Wimberley and that God wouldn't let it. He wound up opening it in Maine right outside of Austin. And, uh, and oh my gosh, I mean, you talk about, it was the Mark Houston Recovery Center and he wasn't down with that name. He didn't want it to be, but they wanted to, you know, brand his name and, and that sort of thing. So what the hell. But it was a recovery center. It wasn't a treatment center. In fact, you signed, most places you have to sign a treatment agreement. When you went there, you had to sign a non-treatment agreement. This is not a treatment center. This is a recovery center. And what we're going to be about is 12-step immersion. And, and, uh, and, oh, my God, I mean, the thing about that recovery center opening, what a big piece of it was the people we met. And the people we've met, since then, I love these conferences. I miss the only thing I'd like better about today would be if we all got to go to dinner afterwards. I mean, I miss you people, and and uh, and you are my people. And but we met so many people. He brought in Chris Schroeder for a workshop, and and Katie and I just fell in love with him. We kidnapped him, took him out for barbecue, and, and we've been cracking jokes ever since then. You know, and. Uh, and Mark wanted that treatment center to be what he called a point of light in in the community. He wanted to be bringing it, bringing in speakers. He brought in Peter Marinelli, brought in Chris Schroeder, he's bringing in all these people to come in and you know speak with us. And and you could go out there on a Saturday night, have a free hamburger, and and listen to some powerful speaker. And next thing you know, you're getting the sponsor guys and hear fifth steps out there and all this stuff. And and, and we just had. So much fun. I mean, <laughs> I don't know why I'm telling this story, but one night we all met bowling, and uh, and it, it was the damnest thing. Now, I'm a damn good bowler. I, you know, I went bowling with Katie one night, bowling 257, and she's like, "Oh, of course, he's good." But I had my shoes, but I hadn't used them in a while. Well, Mark comes out there. And he goes past the line. And you know what happens when you go past the line on a bowling alley? It's all oil. And all of a sudden, Mr. Six Foot Four comes crashing to the floor, whaps his head on the, on the mat. And then I get up and I go to bowl, my shoe sticks, and I slam down on my right side. So the next time I'm not going to do that again, my shoe sticks again, I slam down on my left side. <laughs> and at one point, I'm like, my God, thank God we didn't play tennis. We could have killed ourselves. You know, <laughs> but I mean, we were we were having more fun just doing crazy stuff and going around and doing all that stuff. And we tried to make Mark a, a, a social butterfly. He was he was funny. You know, we'd have parties and stuff, and Mark would be set up over there. And he, but he did with these phantom exits. You know, uh, where I think they call it an Irish goodbye. You know, where uh, you're all standing around, then you look around, and you go. Where's Mark? And he's gone. I mean, when he when he'd get to the point where he's ready to go, it's like he's gone. You know, and, and it, it, it used to trip me out. But you know, uh, oh gosh, um, about that time, about two, 14 years ago, how am I doing? I'm doing good on time. Okay, about fourteen years ago, 
I started a meeting at my house that we called the Common Solution. I'm sponsoring all these guys, and we're starting to do it. And we want we we decided to have a meeting where where we'd get our crew together and be about being one voice, one message. Whether you're talking to me or Chad or Todd or Jay or whoever, you should be getting a consistent message based out of the big book and, and steps and that sort of thing. You know, taking me to where did I set the ball rolling? How did I make decisions based on self? Those sorts of things. And, and, uh, and looking at things from an entirely different angle. And, and, and uh, when we started, it was me on one end of the table, Mark Houston on the other end of the table, and all my sponsees. And, uh, you know, I got to tell you, there was never one time that Mark Houston walked into the front door of my house with that. I asked Starbucks in his hand that I didn't know this is a big deal. I'm not sure the guys that I sponsored that, but I was like, guys, it ain't always like this. And it ain't always gonna be like this. I mean, this is a big deal that Mark leaves his job, drives an hour over here to be with us. And, and before I forget to say it, right after he, it was the best day I'd ever been involved in. And then one day, after he died, I was listening to a talk by his, and he goes, the best day I've ever been involved in is this group of guys on Thursday night. And you could have knocked me down with a feather because I was like, I knew it was the best day I'd ever been involved in. But I, I don't know. I couldn't believe he was saying that. You know, it was it was a powerful, powerful thing. And, and you know, uh, I'll never forget the first time Mark came to the meeting because, you know, I got a new sponsor now and, and all my boys are there, you know, and they're like, which way are we going? You know, I mean, Charlie's got a new sponsor, you know, and whatever I'm going through, I'm taking you down with me. So, you know, whatever. Yeah. And they're like, okay, well, what's this going to be all about? And you know, when you, the first time you get a, a sponsor, what do you figure is the first thing you're going to do when you start working with the new sponsor? You know, the first piece of work you figure we're going to do is probably what? Well, probably going to write inventory, right? Well, Mark comes in the house. He sits down at the table. The guys are all looking to see what's up. And out of nowhere, Mark goes, where are you guys at with the amends process? And I said what a drunk says when he's trying to think of a better answer. I said, what? <laughs> he said, where are you guys at with the amends process? And uh I gave some BS answer, you know, and, 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 and the truth was I was amazed before I was halfway through and a lot of my amends were still in the drawer, you know, and, and Mark comes up and he goes, I sense that there's a significant experience available for you men in the amends process. And we're just like, how does, we thought he was like Svengali or something. We're like, how does he know that, you know? And well, he knows it because nearly all of us, have a, a significant experience, especially people coming out of mainstream AA. Nearly everybody has a significant experience available in the amends process. And man, he started talking about you know the work in this, and you know, and as the meeting started going along, we 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 started plugging in some of the tools that a lot of you guys are familiar with. But they were cutting edge stuff to us, and it was stuff like we established spiritual consent with each other, and spiritual consent is where if me and Ali establish spiritual consent with each other, I'm giving you permission to call me on anything you see me doing, whether it hurts my feelings or not. But it's always done out of love and kindness. But, you know, that way we're holding each other up instead of co-signing each other's BS. 
And we like to say, I'd rather step on your toes than stand on your grave. And sometimes it makes for a difficult conversation uh, with the thing with spiritual consent. And, and now the really hard thing about spiritual consent is, and I, Teresa and I talked about this one time down the game, but uh, it, it follows what we call the path of consideration. And in the path of consideration, you start a lot of sentences off with stuff like, I'd like to offer for your consideration that maybe, or is it possible that, you know, and the, the, what it does is it comes or it circumnavigates my ego to the point where I might be able to hear you when you give me a consideration. But the thing about it is when you give me a consideration, I don't get to respond. I hate this part. You know, because, you know, because my ego, it wants to tell you right away how you got it wrong. And, you know, you little nitwit, if you understood, you know, from your little pea brain perspective, I can see how you might think that. But if you knew how complicated and complex my situation is, and but I don't get to say peep. If you offer me consideration, all I get to say is, thank you, I'll consider that. And I can't even tell you how many times I've had to go back to one of my boys, Chad, had to take the risk of coming to his sponsor and, and, and offering me consideration one time. And uh, he comes to me one day and he says, Charlie, can I offer you consideration? And I said, yeah. And he goes, you seem like a guy starting to run the show again. And I had to just go, thank you, I'll consider that. And I mean, by the next day, I was like, dude, you were spot on. I mean, everybody is bugging me. Everybody's <clears throat> pissing me off. I think that guy at Starbucks gave me a look. Traffic's bugging me. You know, everybody. And when it's everybody, it ain't anybody. If I'm going to be free, I'm still on one of Katie's lines. If I'm going to be free, the problem's got to be me. You know, and thank God for having men that love me enough to come to me and go, dude, you're drifting about that. You know, you're making decisions that you're going to pay for later, you know, and and, uh, and those sorts of things. And so, um, well, now we get, with, and, and, and now all of a sudden we're about ongoing inventory, continuously doing inventory. And, you know, because it had been 16 years since I'd written inventory. Well, that's not true. I did one with Myers. Before that, it had been 16 years. And, and, uh, and, but we do four or five and six and seven became a real piece of business where I'm seeing where things are objectionable and I don't have the power to change them on my own. And if I don't have the power to change something's objectionable, do I, am I willing to let God change it in whatever way he sees fit? And if that's in place, I take it to God in the seventh step and it becomes a real piece of business where I'm getting down on my knees and asking, you know, one time I could not stop playing internet poker. And I called up Tom Pick and I said, uh, Thomas left us, he passed away. But I called up Tom and I said, dude, I can't stop playing internet poker. And he goes, are you ready to quit for good and for all? I said, yeah, yeah. He goes, get down on your knees and ask God to remove the obsession. I'm like, really? He goes, dude, if God can handle vodka and heroin, 
internet poker is a walk in the park, you know? <laughs> and, and, I mean, and I got down on my knees and asked God to remove the obsession and it became a real piece of business. It wasn't just, you know, I'm gonna get online and look at a few hands. It was, are you gonna break this covenant promise that you've made with God to, you know, to, to look at a little bit of poker? And I haven't played a hand of poker since. And that's been many, many years ago. And it works with so many things, but it became a real piece of business. And, and now we're about making all of our amends and making amends cards and, and, and going to these people. When I started working with these guys, I had 42 amends cards at 17 years sober. And I, I'll never tell you I've made amends to everybody I've ever harmed, but I can tell you I've made amends to everybody I'm aware of. And new stuff still pops up. I had to make one to a mini storage warehouse in Dallas just I don't know, six weeks ago. And, and uh, because stuff pops up, you go, whoa, I never straightened that out, you know? And what if we're about making all of those amends? And, and, and besides that, <clears throat> with this crew we have, we have, I've got guys on this screen that are my 10th step buddies, you know? So I might not be able, Myers is my sponsor and thank God for him. You know, but so I can't always call Myers. And sometimes I can call Marty or I can call Daddy Brown or I can call Chris Schroeder or Lorenz or one of my boys or something like that. But I can't, if I call up to talk about a difficult person and they start talking about here's how you deal with a difficult person, I'm dead man. I gotta have somebody that's taken me to an entirely different angle. Where'd you set the ball rolling? Where did you make decisions based on itself? How would they look at this? What's another angle? And I can't tell you how many times the way our process works is I come into it with a big resentment. I see it from a different angle. I see how selfish and self-centered I am. And I go, oh my God, I come out the other end with an amends to go make. It happens over and over and over, and that's where the freedom takes place. I think they owe me, and I need to go look them up and go, man, I'm really sorry about taking I was lost my mind there for a minute. And Katie can tell you, it still happens, you know? And she doesn't care what my motives were. You know, the book says, even though our motives were good, she's like, sometimes I go, I wasn't trying to hurt your feelings. And she goes, look right in here, look right in here. Do you see anybody that gives a flip what you were trying to do, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I, I'm telling you, you hurt my feelings. I'm like, but, but, but I didn't mean to, you know? And, and so uh, AA is alive and well in our house and, I, and thank God for it. But, you know, now we're doing this and, and, and doing 10 steps with each other and actually doing them, you know? And, and then when you get into the 11th step, you know, Katie, I, Katie will go way more technical and I'm going, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun. But, you know, when we talk about the evening review and morning prayer, a lot of people, when they talk about the 11th step, they talk a lot about prayer and meditation. They don't talk about evening review much, you know, and, and uh, this is big stuff. And, and when you come at, when we're doing prayer, getting unblocked, doing prayer and meditation, that sort of thing. When you, this guy comes out the other end with a spiritual awakening, you don't have to press that guy into carrying the message. If somebody's had a spiritual awakening as a result of this process, you don't have to force them to sponsor people. You can't stop them from sponsoring people. And what happens is you start going to the meeting and you share this message, and all of a sudden, you know, people are coming up. I had a sponsor call me when I picked him up when he had 31 years. They called him on Saturday. He goes, I got two more sponsees at the new meeting. I said, really? It's cool. I said, can I ask you a question? He goes, yeah. I go, 
were you sharing a lot of meetings before we started working together? He goes, oh, every meeting I went to. I shared every meeting I went to. I said, were people asking you for your phone number? And he goes, oh, no, no, nobody was fighting for what I had. You know? <laughs> I always say, that's a pretty good test for untreated alcoholism. And if you share it all the time and nobody ever wants to go to coffee, it might be worth checking. You know? <laughs> but, but I mean, I, of course, God, God knows I judge my man. But, you know, this, this stuff is going on now, and life is different, and, and Katie and I are having so much fun. And, you know, I think back about some of the Mark Houston sayings, you know, uh, Marty mentioned being asleep, dreaming I'm awake, and he talked about demonstrating at a high level. You know, uh, we could talk for an hour about that. And, you know, uh, and talk about you take a thimble to the ocean, you get a thimble full of water. Take a dump truck to the ocean, you know, you get a bunch, you know, and he, he talked like that all the time. I smell more. One of the things he said was, real alcoholics are drawn to real solution. And, and you know, when you come with real solution, real alcoholics are drawn to it, especially if they're in trouble. And that doesn't always mean the newcomer. You know, there's people in the rooms. One of the things, I, here's a little tip I'll give you. When everybody, when somebody cracks a joke in your home group and everybody's cracking up laughing, that's when I go to work. Look around the room, and there's somebody that ain't laughing. There's somebody there that doesn't think a damn thing is funny. And that's my boy. That's the guy I'm going up to after me. Well, how's it going? You know, sometimes you sit down and scratch out an inventory, you know, on the back porch of the meeting, you know, and, and God moves and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Um, and one of my favorites was turning statements into questions, taking statements in the big book and turning them into questions and asking myself, if it says first requirement is that I be convinced, I ask myself, am I convinced? Is this my current belief? That sort of thing. You know, and uh, uh, one of the things about that Mark talked about guiding people through the work, he, one time he, he used to like to say that giving me this book, and thank you, giving me this book and expecting me to get it, this was actually Mark Houston's book. I got it back after he passed away. Uh, but. I gave it to him and then I got it back. But uh, he used to say, giving me this book and expecting me to get it is like giving me the flight manual to an F-16 fighter jet and expecting me to get it. You know what I'm saying? Hey, when you get done, we got one out in the parking lot. Try not to hurt yourself or anybody else when you're flying it. You know, it's like, I'm going to need a little instruction, you know, and that sort of thing. You know, so, I mean, he liked to say, I'll never lie to a drunk. Mark, a lot of people thought he was really direct. But he wouldn't lie to a drunk. We were in front of the meeting one time. And he asked this guy, how long are you sober? And the guy goes, well, I had two and a half years. And I had to go out and do some real research. And Mark goes, you didn't do more research. You took your will back and you drank again. The guy's like, dang, <laughs> you guys play hard. You know, I mean, <laughs> but, I mean, that's what I mean when he said, I'll never lie to a drunk to a drunk, you know, a personal accountability. He did a talk at the table one night about the hour at the end of the fifth step that is unbelievable. It, it revolutionized that whole hour at the end of the deal. Well, I'm going to finish with this. How about that, Mark? Uh, <laughs> on February 18th, 2010, it was a Thursday night, and we had the Common Solution meeting. And we're sitting there and we're all talking and Mark is talking. And one time Mark called me, he goes, Charlie, I feel like I'm running that meeting. And I, I said, Mark, I got news for you. You're running that meeting. 
You know, I was like, <laughs> if it comes down between here and you talk, or what one of these knuckleheads thinks about it, come on with it, you know? And, and Mark is sitting there one night and he goes, you know, when I die, I want to die like my heroes in there. I want to, I want to be current in the work. I want to be current in the inventory, current in my amends. I want to be sponsoring guys. I want to be being sponsored and stuff like that. And, and we're talking like that. And uh, like, where well, you know, the odd thing that come out of it. I don't think he meant tomorrow afternoon, but Mark Houston died suddenly on, on uh, February 19th of 2010 the day after he said that in our, in our meeting. And uh, Katie and I were up, Katie was doing a workshop with Bob Darrell and uh, we get the call that Mark passed. And uh, nobody checked with me on that. I was not prepared for that. I needed Mark for about another 15 or 20 years, you know, and, and I'm, I'm still, I'm still a little tore up about it and it's been 11 years, you know, but I mean, so Floyd calls me one day, I'm sitting at my desk and, and, and Floyd calls me and he says, Hey, Joe, are you going to be here this Saturday? And I said, well, yeah, I'm going to be here. We're burying my sponsor. And uh, he says, uh, Mark wants you to say a few words at the funeral. And I, it was like an out of body experience. I go, what do you, what do you mean? And he goes, he made a list of people. He wants to speak at his funeral and your name's on that list. And I'm like, when did he make this list? And he goes back in December when we, when, we, uh, when we started, when we did his will. And you know, I got to speak at his funeral. There was about a half dozen, Chris and, and uh, oh, a few others got to speak. It's not coming, but you know, it, came, it occurred to me that Mark Houston was put in our lives, but Katie and I were also put into Mark's life. And, you know, God doesn't bring two people together to just help one of them. And, and he's way more efficient than that. And, and we, the community we built with Mark and the people that he knew in is it, something I've, I'll always be grateful. But, you know, so many of our greats are passing. And I was talking to somebody about it, to Chris about it yesterday. It's like, we got people that are getting old. We got people that are dying way too often. And like Marty was saying, it's up to us to pick up the torch. Christ, it might be up to y'all. You know, I just turned 65 years old. I don't know. I, don't, I ain't got no promises. But, you know, pick up the torch. Get out there and demonstrate this process at a high level. Help other people carry this message. It's a great life. It's a design for living that really works. My name's Charlie Parker. I'm alcoholic. Thanks, Rob.